You're listening to The Bunker New York, live on RBMA Radio. Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. I'm your host, Brian Kasnick, joined today by old friend and very special guest, Derek Pazleko just got in from Berlin a couple hours ago. Right now, uh, this is his track, Dark Times, coming on The Bunker New York sometime in the spring. It's actually finally pressing this week, so we're very excited about that. Uh, we're going to start off the show with Derek playing a few choice cuts that we're going to have some words about afterwards. It's going to play a proper set a little later on, then we're going to end the show with an interview. So stay tuned for lots of Derek. Again, you're listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. Thank you. 
Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. Here with Derek Plazleko, you just heard uh, the A2 off of his forthcoming EP on The Bunker New York. The name of the track was Dark Times. Uh, What's the name of the EP, Brian? Uh, Exile on Sesame Strauss. Strasse. Strasse. Yeah. Straub. I thought it was Straub. Straub it's not yeah. Straub. 14 years on the Straub. <laughs> Straub knowledge. Yeah. Uh, dropping some mad Straub knowledge. That's right. Uh, so this EP was a long time coming. We've been talking about this EP since I started the idea of the label in 2013. So what took so long? Uh, prior commitments that I never got around to. Actually, you know how this EP came about? I, we should tell that story, actually, because it, I think it's pretty funny. Um, when I came and played with, uh, I guess, with Mike, yeah, when we did when we did the Mike, me and Mike Cerrito at Transpecos over the summer, right. we were, I was sound checking with Catcall, like the A1, and you came up and asked what it was. You're like, yeah, that's a keeper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. And then you're like, yeah, I want it. And I was and then, like... And also, right, like, when I was all, like, I was all excited, this is this is a great track, and I walked over to Nick, and I was like, this is Derek's track, and he's like, that's cool. He's like, can you tell him to put something normal on? Yeah, no, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't Nick. It was, because uh, Nick didn't come. It was... Uh, oh, that was when uh, Safety Scissors... Sa- yeah, Safety Scissors and Patrick saved the day. Saved the day. Yeah, that's for sure, but they, yeah, that's, that's what, I forgot about that part. <laughs> It's Derek. Yeah, can you? <laughs> yeah. And then you came to Berlin uh, in September, and I started playing you stuff I, I was nowhere near finished with. And you picked three that you liked, and, and then I finished them. <laughs> yeah. In, like, record time. Yeah. Like, you were like, I need them next week, or it doesn't get pressed. I'm like, okay, well, there you go. So it was like, for me, it was an ex- it was an exercise in, like, letting go. Because I, I always obsess and can't, I never feel like it's finished or whatever. But you gave me that like very hard deadline, and then uh, I think that's what it takes for yeah. most artists. Because it seems to me there are producers who are just like, okay, I finished this, it's done. Right. But most of the people I'm working with, a lot of new producers, especially, just absolutely never feel like anything's done. Yeah. But at some point, you just have to say done yeah i mean it's painful to listen to these like <laughs> but but at least they're they're done you know i mean you're pressing it it's you know i have a white label of it it's done you know what i mean there's nothing i can do about it at this point so that kind of i mean yes yeah, i guess that's my uh yeah. my way of dealing with it yeah. i literally just got the email from the pressing plant a couple minutes before the show started that our next four eps on the bunker new york including derek's are all going to press now so yeah it's their last chance to well now that now I just want to get it out and get it over with. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to go like intercept some packages so that like you know you don't receive the other three that are coming before mine and then mine has to come first. Call the plant. Yeah. Be like, hey, you're going to want to send those uh, first uh, the next three uh, to uh, Germany, and then uh, send send Exile on Sesame Strasse to Brian. What's what, what's mine? 18. 18. Yeah. yeah so they're so. pressing. 15, 16, 15 which is Donato Dazi, 16, which is the Patrick Russell Remix EP, 17, which is Zemi 17's second EP, and then 18, which is your EP, are all literally going on the presses this week after a long wait. So um, I guess, should we go into the next track? Sure, yeah. Let's uh, let's play. I, I picked, I just selected a few things just to play, I don't know, for fun. Uh, this next one, speaking of Patrick Russell, is a remix that he did of our buddy Rob Theakston, uh, who goes under the name Circuitry. It's on Acoustic Division, 
and it's called Zoot's Collision, I guess. I, I, it's kind of hard to, I can't really tell what uh, what exactly he's calling the remix, but yeah, and that's getting, that just got pressed and should be out very soon, also with a remix by me on the same record, but here you go.
listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio here with Derek Plazleko. Uh The track you just heard was uh, the Patrick Russell remix of Circuitry, which is Rob Thiexton on Acoustic Division. Uh, had the pleasure of meeting Rob Thiexton at your wedding. When was that? A couple months ago? It was <laughs> <laughs> October 3rd. October. Yes. Almost a couple months ago, a few months ago, after appreciating his sense of humor on Facebook over the years on everybody else's pages. Rob's the best, man. Yeah. Now I know that. Rob's always been the best. I had a feeling. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. See, when you meet him uh, in real life, it's it's a different experience. So that was the... Patrick's been doing a lot of remixes here. That was the Patrick Russell remix. And Patrick is playing with the two of us at No Way Back at Market Hotel in Brooklyn this weekend. And he also played, not last week, but the week before at the Bunker's takeover of Berghain. And uh, as a very long-term friend and fan of Patrick, uh, what what are your thoughts on his set at Berghain two well, weekends mean, ago? You got to remember that we did, I didn't get to hear nearly as much as I would have liked to have. Um, because we and I only got to hear like the first hour, or was it the was it the first hour and a half, or the first hour? He had a th- he had a three hour set, and you and Servito took over in Panorama Bar two hours into that set, and he started at two, right? Can't remember that. Yeah, I can't I can't remember either. I, I can't remember if it was the first hour and a half that I heard or the first half hour that I heard. Um, but I mean, it was stellar. What I what I did, it must have been the first hour and a half. But, I think you guys, I think you and Servito heard about an hour and a half and then you had to go yeah. set up in P-Bar because yeah, you were starting up. a half an hour after that. Totally. Yeah. I mean, he just did. I, I was so I totally wanted to just be there for him, like in the booth when he got in the booth to kind of like I, I, I was just picturing him being like, you know, terrified and I couldn't have been more wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he was calm and collected. <laughs> Absolutely. And just he just stepped right in there like, you know. He just and just owned the place. I was yeah. I couldn't I could not have been more proud of the kid. Yeah. The kid. I, He's older than me. Yeah, I think it was two he landed in at Tegel in Berlin two hours before he went on. Yeah. It was an eighteen hour journey with two layovers. Never I'd st- never I'd been still... to, never been to the club. Didn't even walk through the club. Right. Came in, took that the back way up through the offices and just went right into the booth. Yeah, I mean I've never done it before, but I mean if he landed at noon what took, how did it take him one hour and 51 minutes to get into the DJ booth at, at Bergheim? That's what I want to know. So, Patrick, if you're listening, feel free to uh, clue us in. Yeah, I think he was I think he was just hanging out in the office because he didn't want... We had, for uh, those of you who don't know, we had a very large group of friends fly in for this bunker takeover. All, most of them good friends of Patrick's, and I think he just didn't want to have to interact with 40 friends like before he yeah i mean that. they just flew there to sense. see you you know what i mean like whatever you don't want to say hi to your friends before you go start playing I no I, it I makes ab- sense i absolutely get it i'm just kidding because right. everybody would be like are you are you nervous are you freaking out like yeah. that's <laughs> but then everybody sent uh, sent me into the booth like to go find like can you go see if he's in there and i go in there i'm like he's not in here and now i can't get out because lote is playing and i don't want to disturb him okay well, more about Patrick and No Way Back is going to be included in the interview sure. later on. But for now, I think we're just going to go into the proper mix session. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So we're going to listen to Derek play some records for a while. Stay tuned. And we'll be doing an interview later on. You're listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. Red Bull Music Academy Radio. Radio. 
to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. I'm your host, Brian Kasnick. We are now in the mix with Derek Plazleko, who is going to read back some of the uh, names of the tracks you've been listening to. Uh, okay, yeah. Right now, we are currently listening to a man by the name of Hugo LX, and the song's called It's About That Time. Before that, we had uh, Chrissy, formerly Chrissy Murderbot. Oh. I believe. I, I'm assuming it's the same guy. Yep, yeah. same guy. Um, with Growl. It's a full EP it has on um, on Free Range. Then I don't know. It's kind of blowjob house, but it's pretty sweet. <laughs> um, and then uh, before then was a brand new JT, uh, JTC, which is uh, Tad Mullenix uh, or James Cotton and how many other monikers. Um, it's called Cascadia. Yeah, I guess this would be uh, as good a time as any. We can announce that we're actually with Derek kind of in the midst of planning a party to celebrate 15 years of Spectral, uh, April 1st at Good Room in Brooklyn. And we've confirmed JTC, Derek, Mike Servito, and Miguel Singes, and we're uh, working on some more. Okay, and then, uh, yeah, that's going to be sweet, <laughs> by the way. Um, and then before that, we had uh, Rex Sepulveda with Aether. 
some track I found that he gave me like a few years ago that I, uh, yeah, lost. And it's uh, I was pretty into it when I found it on the plane. And then uh, to start off the DJ part of the set, we have uh, Tim, we had Tim Wright with Can't Stop. And that was a Vrom remix on the label The Nothing Special. And uh, yeah, that covers it. Okay, so I guess you're, okay, we're going to get back into the mix here and we're going to have an interview a little later on. You are listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio.
listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. We're in the mix with Derek Plazaleko, who once again is going to go through the tracks you've been hearing. All right. Uh, right, right about now, we're listening to Jared Wilson, a song called It's the Message. What up, Jared? Uh, the last one was done by this guy, Derek Plazaleko. Uh, it's a song called Cat Call, and I believe it's uh, coming out on a forthcoming bunker uh, <laughs> Bunker number 18, uh, Exile on Sesame Strasse EP. Yeah, that would be the A1. The A1. The A1. (laughs) (laughs) And then before that, we had uh, Dona with uh, Stylin, I believe is how uh, it's pronounced. And before that, we had another James T. Cotton track, JTC with uh, Nexus Shipcore. And then before then, we had Trevino with Backtracking. That would be the Shot Tracks remix. And then before then was Lockleed with Playground. Approximately what percentage of yours and Carlos's sets are just JTC tracks? <laughs> <laughs> like 10 to 20, maybe? <laughs> I mean, there's, I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I, I think, I, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give him those and then like I'll end up playing all like the Todd Osborne ones. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, I, yeah, it's a pretty good percentage. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, they're two of my favorite producers, so yeah, naturally, they're, and they're they're they they work. Yeah, they're <laughs> pretty badass. Yeah, Detroit Secret Weapons. Absolutely. Somehow they still feel like Secret Weapons, even though everybody knows JTC. I don't know. Yeah, they shouldn't be secret. They I should know. just be weapons and like be very happy to hear them. <laughs> weapons of mass destruction. Absolutely. Uh, so I guess we're gonna get back into the mix. We've got about twenty more minutes of that, and then we're gonna talk again. Cool. So you're listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio with Derek Glaslico. Yeah, 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 yeah
you're listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. Just finishing up uh, Derek Puzleko's mix here. And uh, before we get into the interview, would you like to read back the last few tracks of your set here? Yeah, sure. Uh, that last uh, jammy jam. <laughs> was it's pretty wild. Yeah. Adam Marshall, uh, Sunless Sea, on coming out on New Canada really soon. Uh, yeah. It's... Uh, at the, God, it's killer. Um, before then was, uh, I guess, this Derek Puzleko guy again. Uh, with a, Keep playing uh, that guy. I know. It's really <laughs> weird. Uh, with Unhinged, also on the forthcoming uh, Bunker EP. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before then was Grays with Clip, which is also on New Canada, um, also forthcoming. Uh, before then was Dona again. Uh, with city with uh, with city with no fear, and then before then was uh, Jared Wilson. It's the message, but I, th- I think we already told people. Yeah, that. we covered the Jared Wilson. Yeah. So uh, gonna do some talking about interdimensional transmissions and the bunker and no way back because you're the reason you're in town aside to do this radio show, obviously, to uh, play at no way back party we're doing with interdimensional transmissions at Market Hotel in Brooklyn this Saturday with, uh, well, we don't really do very often get to do a party with all the No Way Back resident DJs at this point. Yeah. Uh, Servito's not around this time, but we have you, Derek Puzleko, Carlos Sufrant, BMG, Erica, Patrick Russell, and myself. So Myself, dude. That guy is so <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, I know. Seriously, he's yeah. killer. Yeah. He's and killer. Now someone else, that guy as well. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, he's, he's someone else's plan? <laughs> No, that that's Who's on that, first? that's a that's a that's a throwback to a to a joke uh, with, with Brian. Me and him were walking around the Lower East Side like in the early early days of the bunker, and I was like, "Man, you should really book you know someone else again." I really I really want to hear him. I think he should play the bunker again really soon. He's like, "Are you kidding?" I'm like, "What?" He's like, He's "Playing tonight." <laughs> I had no idea that he was even on the bill. You're like, uh, he's playing tonight, dude. Wow. Anyway. Uh, so I guess you being kind of the missing, not the missing link, but the, I see, say the main link between the kind of marriage of interdimensional transmissions and the bunker that's kind of taken place over the years. Uh, I'd just like to talk about your introduction to interdimensional transmissions. I don't think I've ever even heard that story, particularly like when did that happen? How did it happen? Like where, how did you link up with Brendan and Erica? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, 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 we go back. I mean, it go like probably, I think the first time I ever met, saw Brendan, he was bringing uh, the first interdimensional transmissions record into record time. And I believe I was just shopping there at the time. I wasn't working there, and I don't think he was working there anymore at that point either. Um, and he was just talking about the record, and then I listened to the record, and then I bought the record. Um, and then I think the next time we had a conversation, uh, he was talking with Adriel at Zoots uh, by the front door, and they were talking about, uh, oh man, they were, well they were talking about Laurent Garnier, and and I had to, and I I just kind of like perked up and listened in or whatever and then kind of since Laurent Garnier was my favorite DJ and well still is one of my favorite DJs um open for him on your first gig yeah that's very true (laughs) (laughs) it's very true um yeah we just kind of started talking there and then uh just over time we kind of just would would run into each other and start talking and then I started working or within he he released the from beyond series and then that's when I was like man I need to be like hanging out with this guy more 
Uh, so that's why I think that's when we started getting closer, when those From Beyond 12 inches were coming out. Uh, by then I was working at record time, so he was like giving me copies, which was really nice of him. Um, and then, yeah, then I started working at Star 6-7, his distribution company. I was boxing records up and, and doing stock for him and stuff like that. And then uh, I stopped doing that. I can't, for the life of me, remember exactly why I stopped, um, but I stopped. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, we've just been we've just been close over the years, you know. Like we we both have kind of the same take on what we feel like the Detroit underground, you know, is was or should be. Um, I think that's kind of where we bonded the most. That and of course, you know, just awesome, awesome music. Right. I mean, when do you know when the first time that you that you played at an interdimensional transmissions event was? Um, well, that probably it probably would have been the first Cannonball Run, which was done in collaboration with uh, uh, Sharif Zawida and then me and Gerlock. And we just uh, we all kind of worked together. It was during the second festival. I think so it was 2000, 2001. One. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I had to. I think it was the second one. It might have been the first one, but I'm pretty sure it was the second one because I don't think the first one anyone even thought to do after parties. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it just wasn't a thing. Like well, the, nobody knew it was going to happen. It right. Just happened. Right. Like I think I remember being uh, either at the works or or behind. I don't know. Like behind a, a, a where like I will often grash it on grash it like at the end of the first one, but that was like the only kind of after parties that were happening. It was just such an afterthought. And I mean, nobody knew what to expect with the first one. So they sure as hell didn't know if they should be planning, you know, to have a party that night or not. Right. So, but then, yeah. And then over, then, you know, he kind of would, uh, they would just kind of ask me to keep coming back when they, when they were doing parties, like for the, for the festival. This is why they, even back when I still lived there. Um, and then I guess, I guess, I guess, I guess the marriage would have happened after me and Brennan did like the first No Way Back, you know, after, after we, we all put, we put that together and everything. And then, uh, and then I just started playing for him. <laughs> right. So the very, the very first No Way Back, and I made a little cheat sheet here because I, there's been so many of them. There's been, by my count, seven in Detroit and five in New York. Uh, the very first one was in December, 2007. So what... Uh, what was the idea? You, you were one of the four DJs who played the very first No Way Back. What was the concept or motivation to do that particular party and call it that? I mean, there was a lot, you know? I mean, there, there really wasn't a lot of... There, it definitely, it was at a time when, like, the only thing going on in Detroit would be the festival, like during this time, you know what I mean? Like the, during those those years, like the year like nine, what, 2007 or whatever, like at that time, you'd be really hard pressed to get anything more than like 100, 150 people at a party. Um, and, you know, people were struggling. They were having a hard time even throwing parties, you know, but like, the, you know, the festival, you have, you know, this crazy weekend. And then, out, and then the other 51 weeks of the year, it was just like kind of a ghost town. Yeah. You know, I mean, I wasn't living there at the time, so maybe maybe I'm totally off base, but that's my that was my experience going home, you know, when I did and like and seeing it and the people I talked to, that's what they were saying. So me and Brendan just kind of we were just talking about, you know, we, we were talking about hardware, like Dean Systems parties that he used to do like in 95 and how they were just really basic. It was just a a good sound a really good sound system, dark room, maybe like one red light and then some uh, snow fencing. Like, and that's, you know, and that's basically it. Maybe some parachutes um, and, you know, just killer, killer music the whole night. You know what I mean? Mostly it was usually locals. I don't think he ever brought in. 
I don't think any of the hardware contain, had, had anybody that wasn't living in Detroit. Like Eric, I remember Eric Hot playing there, uh, James Covert, um, uh, uh, Acid Pimp, like all the people that were playing like, you know, in 95 in Detroit. And we just kind of wanted to do like kind of a throwback, you know, just kind of like bring it back to that level, you know, bring it back to the back to basics where it's just, you know, four DJs in a room. And, you know, we felt like we, we like those, but the hardware parties didn't necessarily go 12 hours, but we advertised this one as 12 hours because we kind of felt like it could be pushed that hard. And if I remember correctly, we all, we, you know, there would have been three hours to, the, to each of us and we split our time up a ha an hour and a half each staggered in different time and different time spots. I think maybe I'm wrong on that, but it feels like that's what we did. I don't know. <laughs> oh, really? I thought it was just like the, everybody just did their, their three long. hours. Oh, but didn't Carlos ended up doing yeah, Carlos, a lot at the end, right? Carlos was last. Yeah, Carlos. I mean, but I think I can't remember if he. I think he played earlier in the night too. I don't know, Patrick. Patrick, what'd we do? <laughs> Let send a message, Patrick. I'm pretty sure that was it. I think pretty sure we split it all up, hour and a half each, and then just kind of went for it. And I mean, we we all also felt like we could play out of each other too. So it wasn't supposed to be a focus on any of us as DJs. It was supposed to be a focus on the music. And it didn't really matter. Like the idea was that you were dancing to the party, not to the DJs. You know what I mean? Yeah, people are already harassing me about, well, already, the party's in two days, but harassing me about set times yeah. for Saturday. Right. I'm like, I can't believe that this still matters to right. anyone at this point right. for a No Way Back party. Like who's... Yeah, like who, who's, who, like, who are you really going there? You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the, the best I could think of is that they're trying to avoid when I'm playing. Yeah, <laughs> That's about it. Trying to know? figure out when I'm going to go down to Mr. Kiwi's and just like yeah. chill out and have a juice. So, right. Yeah, they want to know when you're They just want to know when I'm on to not be there. <laughs> right. <laughs> so rewinding a little bit from the first No Way Back, you, you moved to New York in... 2006? No, nope. July 2004. 2004. Yeah. Uh, which, and the bunker started in 2003, and I think shortly after you moved to New York, you started coming to the bunker at Subtonic. Yeah, I'd say it was like late, I'd say it was like mid to late fall. Okay. So what, I guess, what was your first impression of the bunker when you came into Subtonic? Your uh, first impression? That it felt like home. Yeah. And like home, home meaning Detroit, not home like this is my home. You know yeah, I mean? like, yeah, yeah. Like more, it just, it felt like, it felt like my favorite things about Detroit parties, you know, that the music could go in any direction. It didn't have to be, it wasn't just focused on techno. In fact, even then it was more focused on experimental than, than how most parties in Detroit would be, but still yeah. would be open to that, you know? Right. But the, the, definitely the environment, um, felt more like a Detroit party to me and more definitely more so than anything I'd seen in New York since I'd been there. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what, like, definitely a big influential party on the bunker because I didn't, I didn't have a ton of experience partying in Detroit. My experience was maybe like the plus eight ten year anniversary, mm -hmm. and when I was there for well, at the time it was Demp, and I remember one party that I think function was involved in throwing somehow and it was in like an abandoned skyscraper and you had to like go down some weird alley and go up yeah, I was there. and uh i walked in so this was probably like 2004 or three that building was right across from the hotel you stayed at this year oh really it's that it's right there 
Oh, wild. I just remember going down an alley and into a dark room. I don't even... I, well, downtown looks so much different now anyways, yeah. as opposed to then, but that's where the party was, right? Yeah. Literally across the street. But we, we walked into a situation very much like the one you're describing. It was a pitch black room, except for one light, red light bulb mm -hmm. above Daniel Bell, like a skull crushing sound system mm -hmm. and Dan just murdering it. Yeah. You, you just couldn't see anything but like a red light bulb in Dan's head. Right. And I was just like, this is it. Like, yep. this is all... Like, why, why do we need anything more than that? Sure. And when we got Subtonic to do the parties, it's like, they don't have any lights here. They don't have any fog machines. They don't have any go-go dancers. Yeah. Like, but we can turn down all the lights and put a red light on the DJ and do the best job we can with sound. Yeah. So I guess. Well, I remember, I, 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 I definitely remember telling, like, the one of the, either the first or second time I played, I'm like, I think we can make it a little darker in here. <laughs> and you were like, really darker? I'm like, Let's make it a little darker in here. Yeah, we had like the Christmas lights, <laughs> Christmas on, the, lights on, totally, on the side. Totally. And we would turn those off. Yeah, it was like, like sometimes yeah. the battle, like, should we have those on? Should we not have? Is it time to turn them off yet? Yeah, yeah that's right. We would keep them on at the beginning and so what? people could see and stuff like that. And then it was just like, meh. <laughs> and that's it. Let's turn those off. Yeah. So fast forwarding a little bit to May of 2008, which was, was it movement by then? Yeah, because this year's the... I, well, this year's the, I got a mug in the mail from Paxahal. This year's the 10 year anniversary of movement. You so got a mug? I did. I want a mug. Just showed up in my, in I my. Saw, I saw Chuck in Detroit when I played a few weeks ago. No mug. What a jerk. Thanks, Chuck. Thanks for the mug, Chuck. Maybe they didn't do international shipping. I saw him in Detroit, man. Like, <laughs> you could have handed it to me in person. Could have filled it with whiskey. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, Anyways, in May 2008 for Movement Weekend, uh, you absolutely insisted that I come to Bethany's loft for the Too Far Gone No Way Back event, uh -huh. which was a, the first No Way Back on Memorial Day weekend, but the second No Way Back that happened, period. Mm -hmm. uh, why? I mean, you were really, really insistent that I go to that party. Why? What, why were you so insistent on that? Do you remember that? <laughs> Uh, probably, I mean, just probably, probably because, like, you know, we're 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 boys, man. I wanted yeah. you at the party. I don't, I don't think there was any a, a, a specific reason that it was going to change your life or anything. I just yeah. thought that you want to come to this party, man. I don't know. I don't, and I did, and it was great. Uh, Matt Abbott, Matt Abbott, running around the party. Yeah, dosing everybody, dosing that everybody's was, elbows. Yeah, genius. Yeah, that was uh that was a crazy night. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then we move forward to all the no way after that, the no way backs at the bow house, the unfortunate shutdown. Right. And, uh, bow house being, I don't know. The new venue is pretty, pretty sweet, but I, the bow house will always have a special place in my heart for that party. Yeah. Referring to my note, it looks like we only did two at the bow house. We did the first one that I played at with hieroglyphic being that I wasn't involved in throwing. Right. And then the one with Surge that wasn't set, shut down. And then the one that was shut down. It was shut down, which would have had uh, Jay, right? Cheap and Deep? Yeah. Cheap and Deep and Sal. Sal, yeah. Right. Anyways, let's talk about some of the other DJs playing this weekend. Uh, let's talk about Carlos for a minute. <laughs> let's talk about Carlos. <laughs> Since we already did Patrick. Uh, when, so this would have been, I think, 2006. 
uh, I sent out, I was sending out my emails about the upcoming parties and you got it. And I think you just noticed that there was an upcoming bunker with nothing booked on March 3rd. Yeah. And you were like, you should do a 303 party. You should book Carlos. <laughs> you should, you should, you do this, yeah. do that, do this. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't what you weren't normally <laughs> suggesting or but I you, know. were, you were a little insistent. Like, I, I, pretty good. I, yeah, I think it's a good idea to book Carlos to play a, an all acid set on 303. When I think something's a good idea, I'm going to let you know for sure. <laughs> I'm not shy. And uh, of course he completely leveled the place yeah. and people were literally hanging from the ceilings. Uh, Shirts so, were off. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, so when, when did you meet Carlos and why is he your, your I believe the quote is, favorite DJ in the solar system? Yeah. Um, God, I mean, I met Carlos early. Like, like we went... We, we, I don't think we actually met at parties, but he definitely saw me at parties because I was really loud. So he was like, yeah, that, that kid, that's got to always like screaming and screaming in front of the speaker. <laughs> um, and then I met him at Neptune or play the record or whatever, or play, uh, play it again records. I can't remember which one, which, if it was Neptune yet or not. Um, but I asked someone stupidly, I asked someone behind the counter, like, Oh, how's this new Autechre double EP? <laughs> like, like yeah, it was Anvil Vapor. Like, of course, like, like I needed to ask how awesome it was. You know what I mean? And they're yeah. like, yeah, why don't you consult our uh, electronic music section over here? And it was Carlos, and we met, and um, yeah, we just talked about that and bonded instantly, and we started talking about other music like instantly, and then he was DJing at Zoots um, again, like for the on, for Exat on Monday nights, playing ambient and stuff, and we just became like close there you know we were just like what oh. is what is zoots you've mentioned zoots a couple times in this interview zoots is a coffee house uh on wayne state or um now called midtown uh sorry i hate that term um yeah it was just like it was more it was more like a like a, a indie rock venue like you know like i, I saw um like what blonde redhead played there before um oh god what's the oh why am i blanking on it like one of the guys from the Laughing Hyenas, I believe, or Mule, one of the two, like lived upstairs and everything. I don't know. It was just a coffee house, you know. They, they is, and is, where, is this nights, where Carlos did his like chill out yeah, night? Yeah, oh, okay. every Monday night yeah, they, okay. they, it was ambient. It was him and Clark Warner that would that would DJ. Clark wouldn't. I don't think Clark DJed every week, but he played really often. Maybe he played every week too. I don't know. It's they're talking about. Yeah, it all kind of blurs. Twenty one years ago. Ugh. Um, yeah, and so we just became friends there, and like we. More and more, we found out that how into the, into other music other than like techno we were into, and uh, we just became closer and closer and closer. Right. So we've got a couple minutes left here. Uh, I wanted to talk at least briefly about the Servito and Plasleco back-to-back situation that strangely didn't start <laughs> happening 20 years ago, know, but it's been right? happening a lot in the last Pretty year. Frequently in LA uh, at the Bunker in New York, of course. And most recently at Panorama Bar, um, I guess just how did this come about, and are you enjoying it? And it came up, it came about when we were playing Panther Room, uh, the like, what was it, like in April oh, that's last right. year. And um, I, we, we, we both kind of like looked at each other, like while we were, he was playing after me, and we both were like, "Do you want to tag for an hour or whatever?" Or like, you know, two hours before, like, hammer if it was an hour or two hours, and he was just like, "Yeah, let's do it." And so we did it, and we tore the roof off the place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not intentionally; it just happened. You yeah, know no, I mean? that like, was it, really fun. It, it really, just, it, it really got out of control in there, and um, 
And then next thing I know, you you were just like, yeah, let's let's make this happen here. Let's do this. Let's do that. And yeah. And then we did it at P Bar, and that was probably that was the most fun I've had playing at P Bar at Panorama Bar. The for most sure. fun I've had partying in Panorama Bar for sure. That was pretty uh, epic. Yeah. I love the progression too. We even started off like not going for the throat, you know, and then eventually it was just like right, left, right, left. You're toothless. Right. So, uh, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thanks for having me, Brian. I'm glad. I was always worried that I was never going to be able to do it. I was going to be like, can we just like do it over the phone or something? feel a little left out here yeah so a couple announcements before we sign off here uh again the bunker and interdimensional transmissions present no way back this saturday with derek erica bmg carlos Sufrant, patrick russell and myself and coming up on march 4th we have a party at good room with orfex and nobu aaron fit mike servito eric cloutier and the long count cycle. Cloutier. Still sticking to that, huh? It is. It's his name. <laughs> and Cloutier. Um, thank you for tuning in. I believe. Do you want to say what the last track you're about to play here is? Yeah, it looks like I'm gonna. I'm gonna. We're gonna close out with uh, Vin Soul. Um, uh, make him say. Cool. Well, thanks again. Thank and you. you all are listening to the Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. Uh, uh.
Uh. 